I so wish that people knew that relationships are always evolving, always changing. And they are so much more than the Disney like starting point. Like I wish that people knew that that was just the starting point. And that after that, there's a lot of work, like a lot of kind of boring, kind of mundane stuff that we have to go through together. Hello and welcome to the Magnetic Woman podcast. I'm Pandora Paloma, a quantum transformation and business coach using a fusion of spirituality meets strategy for feminine leaders, spiritual entrepreneurs and visionaries. My mission is to help female entrepreneurs find their truth and step into their greatness boldly and unapologetically and create businesses that feel like home. I help women access and accelerate their magnetism by bridging the gap between who they truly are and who they present as to the world because from this space of wholeness, we find our power, our potential, our voice and our liberation. This show is for the multidimensional woman with a big bold vision for more wealth, more impact, more expression and more freedom. Each episode takes you on a journey of expansion across my five pillars of quantum transformation self, vision, expansion, embodiment and magnetism. Some are solo and some are with industry leaders who are playing the same game, changing the conversation about women's success, money, power and pleasure. I'm a mum of one, music lover, love maker and all-round magnetism activator. Tune in and welcome to my world of magnetism. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Magnetic Woman podcast. Um, I'm very excited about today's guest. We have Julia Goodall. She is a psychotherapist and coach and she works specifically with couples, couple work relationships. And today we're going to be talking about divine union, divine partnerships. And this is where it's going to get really juicy how our relationship stories show up in our relationship to money. So welcome, Julia. Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Pandora. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Well, probably best to start with telling the audience a little bit about you. Okay. So I have had quite a winding journey into my work. Um And I trained and worked for like about 12 years as a clinical psychologist in South Africa um, and had, I worked mainly in state and then moved into private practice. And then after our first baby, we moved to the UK and fast forward some years and I decided to change my registration into um, to psychotherapist. Um, because that's where my interests lie and I love the fluidity of therapy and I didn't want to be kind of boxed in this um, real sort of deficit model around a lot of the way we look at um, clinical work around illness and diagnosis and as if there's something kind of wrong with people and that just started to feel less and less comfortable for me in my work. I'm also somebody that loves to play and expand and explore and so once I feel like I have mastered something. I just want to add on and try something new. (laughs) And so I decided to train as a coach and see what that would be like. I just, in a really open-ended way, I think it was in the pandemic, I did um, Sass Petherick's course and started to play in that. And then I founded Grounded Families, which is, I feel like 
a different piece of my work where I meet people at a different part of their journey, mainly about families, couples, relationships, but also I work with individuals. Beautiful, beautiful. I do know the lovely Sass. I've also done her self-belief. Oh, she is lovely. Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. I loved the course so much because as someone who was like, I totally believe in myself. Like, don't we have that problem? I'm just, you know, I'm just, just want to learn how I can better support my clients. And she was like, yeah, you're what we call, um, like, you've got like a great inner cheerleader. <laughs> So you're basically like, yeah, everything's great. I'm so like, so, you know, I've got so much self-belief and actually what's behind it is like a fair amount of doubt. (laughs) I'm a bit like that as well. (laughs) Just going, oh, I didn't know that was there. (laughs) Yeah. Spent the six months being a bit like, yeah, I'm not sure I like this. I'm not sure I like this. This is not who I thought I was, but you know, it was very, um, (laughs) yeah, it brought a lot of humility to me and my, and my world. And you know, everything is for exploration, isn't it? And we, grow and evolve and you know I kind of love bringing just laughter and you know lightness to all of this stuff because you know it's it's just worth laughing about you know being human is complex and fascinating all at once um so I really want to speak to you and we're going to touch on kind of you know relationships first because then I feel like it will be a nice kind of opener into speaking specifically to relationships with money but Divine partnership has been like a big thing uh, of my personal exploration, let's say, over the last kind of couple of years. And I'm sort of interested, I suppose, to hear from you when you're working with couples, when you're working with, you know, relationship. And I see sort of partnership in everything, right? So the partnership I have with my business and the partnership I have with people who work for me in my business and partnership in love and partnership in friendship and partnership in, you know, my parents and what is what what how do we create this kind of you know divine divine union as it were like what does that what does that get to look like in 2023 so it's always layered and always complex and I'm always holding the this and that um in the work that I do so I always think of it in terms of like what we've inherited um what we've experienced and then what are the stories we tell ourselves about that sort of mix And then our partner will bring that sort of three-pronged experience. And then you suddenly just have (laughs) a total jumble of things. And also you create something new together. Um, And so it's not just like one person plus one person equals two people, that you create kind of a third. And I always think of it like that. It's something totally unique to the two of you that couldn't be created or replicated in the same way. So although there's so many kind of um, overlaps between couples, of course, and so many patterns, um, something about what you create with somebody else, Pandora and somebody else, is totally unique. And how you get to bring, like when you talk about divine union, maybe maybe just to say like what does that even mean for you Mm, yeah yeah and we spoke to this earlier and I think that's really important thing for me to share so I suppose like it starts with us doesn't it I think every you know divine union starts with us knowing ourselves and what we want and what we're able and willing to tolerate and what we're not and you know I was saying to you kind of what's been interesting is I think as I'm getting older like I know myself so much better that it's almost like I'm so aware of what I'm able to tolerate and not tolerate. Like I wouldn't, Mm. I don't, you know, there's just certain things I'm like, yeah, that's an absolute no, that maybe a few years ago I would have kind of tolerated as it were, because 
yeah I didn't know any different or I didn't know any better or you know I didn't you know I didn't know myself as well so there's a real for me divine union is like that you know the center point is communication and also you know knowing what's ours to hold and what's you know individually knowing where we're triggering each other and where we are triggering each other being so open and conscious and conscientious and you know kind in the approach to you know sort of not heal that because I, I find heals like such a just quite quite a powered word like it's you know it's quite a big word but actually just move through things you know in that way yeah I feel like there's you know divine union is where we kind of break down a lot of that armor of you know I should be this and you should be this and actually it's about like who who are we you know and you kind of both bring that that balance of the masculine and feminine and certainly know you know so for example I've identified I'm I'm more in my masculine in my business purely because I am a business owner I have to make big decisions you know I'm you know thinking about money I'm thinking about growth and it's a lot of what I kind of bring to my clients is, is very much that masculine structured energy and it means that in my in my relationship like I just want to be sexy and adored and light and creative <laughs> like I really want to be in my feminine um you know and I I re- I noticed how, like I was basically masculine in my business masculine in my relationship and you know that so I wasn't mm, receiving so what I wanted to receive in relationships because I was still just like in my masculine and making this happen and forcing things and then being like why are you doing nothing for me you know said person would be like well because you just do everything like what give me a chance you know <laughs> um so I suppose you know divine union is sort of seeing conflict as a as an opportunity to learn more about each other um you know dancing with that kind of masculine and feminine committed to doing the inner work for yourself and you know for for the for that third piece as you so beautiful and just yeah really staying centered in in the heart and you know just having that real sense of of we but equally knowing who you both are individually and being so respectful of that so yeah that's that's what you know that's what I'm looking for guys you know no biggie no biggie but (laughs) no big deal applications below (laughs) but I think that's I think that's so good because you like our lives are short and it's good to know what you need and what you are asking for in this particular season as well. And of course, that change and evolves all the time. But it's so important because for that person as well, who like comes into kind of union with you, that they know, do you know what I mean, what you need? Because otherwise, it's always sort of hit and miss as to, I don't know how to meet this person. Like, it's not clear. They're not clear about what their needs are. Um, and that's, I guess, like we lead into all sort of murky territory. Totally. And I suppose in relationships, you're always seeing like we I, I as a set as a sense, and certainly, you know, past relationships that I've been in, I know that I've either not known what my needs are. Yeah. So, you know, I'm expecting someone to fulfill something that I don't even know what mm. that thing is. Or I'm like, you know, here's my freaking needs why don't you meet my fucking needs? And this person's like, because you haven't told me what your needs are. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, so okay, so here's my needs. Can you meet them? Do you know what I mean? And that in itself is, 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 a, is, a, is, is a partnership of like, hey, here's what I need to feel safe. Here's what I need, yeah. you know, to thrive in this partnership. Like, can, can, can you bring that to me? Can you do that for me? Yes. You know, and then it's like this open discussion versus 
expecting people to provide you with something that you know sometimes people won't and it's that's also okay that you just simply provide it for yourself you know I've oh yes yeah that we can't expect our partners to kind of fill all or plug all of these holes for us I think that's so so important I love what you say also around like sort of developmentally if you think about that phase of like you know how toddlers sometimes they're just miserable and they don't know what they want and it's not that and it's not this and it's like uh I'm just cross and then later they get to say I only want the pink cup and if I don't have the pink cup I don't want anything <laughs> and it's like and I think that we go through that same kind of the, those stages developmentally and then suddenly we get to the other side of like oh wow we can say what we want out loud and it, it's not threatening even if people can't meet us you know that you get to that place of like self-sufficiency I don't really like that word because I don't think any of us are self-sufficient but of knowing like where your edges are of like okay these are the needs I meet for myself and these are the needs like that I meet in friendships or in business or in partnerships and that it's not just the one person's job to tick through all of those needs. I feel like also there's something about the contract of relationships. So for me, it's about, okay, we're deciding to do part of life together and we don't know what's going to happen, but we have this kind of, I talk about generous safety and we just decide like, I know that you have the best intentions for me and I have the best intentions for you. And we're going to use that as a lens within our relationship so that when you behave bizarrely, (laughs) what I think is bizarrely, and then I go, oh, you can just be curious about it as opposed to feeling like this person is attacking me. (laughs) Like their behavior is not like, I can't tolerate it. And we can just be curious about like, oh, what's happening for you? This is really weird. Um, And so you're in that sort of third space of like, there's enough room for both of you to be imperfect, um, but still to have a place to meet each other, like with some safety, you know, it's never totally safe. I love that. And it's got me thinking about something we were chatting about before we hit record around, you know, when couples do go into that you know challenging space let's say and then you know the advice is always like oh well you know go on a date night and it's like again that's creating that sense of perfection as long as it looks like we've got the candlelit dinners like perfect then we will be seen as a perfect couple and I I feel like this this like this energy of perfection is almost what gets us into quite dysfunctional relationships in the first place absolutely and I would love to know your take on that oh my gosh so that's like my biggest bugbear (laughs) is like this Disney version of love that we grow up with like I think it's just so in the water it's like I kind of think it is like relational microplastics like you can't see it but they're there sadly and so we have this idea of like very gendered relationships where like people who identify as women have this role and people identify as men have this role. And there's often lots of rescuing, um, lots of sudden surprise and sudden love. (laughs) And then afterwards it's that we live happily ever after. Like that's all we get. We don't get any information beyond like the kiss or like we've fallen in love. And so 10 minutes after our weddings, we go, (laughs) what do we do now? (laughs) Um, And also because we live so separately and kind of so in this sort of nuclear family structure, we don't get to witness what happens next and we don't get to kind of normalize like 
it's not a lot of candlelit dinners. It's sometimes just taking out the bins and, you know, like making dinner again or like deciding whose turn it is to bath the kids. Like, and that can feel to people like it can almost bring up like a panic response because they go like, oh, my God, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for the Disney version, <laughs> like flying carpets and slurping meatballs together. It's like not this. Um, and then people go into this, the, what they make it mean. So they'll think like I made the wrong person or this relationship is just like run its course or there's something wrong with me. And so absolutely the perfection and the story of perfection, I think, kind of trips us up before we've even begun. And it makes us see like really normal stuff as quite sort of pathological or dangerous. And our bodies are just going, oh, no, <laughs> like this is not safe. We've got to leave this relationship. It's got to be over um, or wildly different. So, yeah, it's perfection is not our friend. Yeah. What would you say, you know, across the kind of breadth of your work you would identify as like the key pillars of what makes for a, a good relationship or divine union if we're going to use that term now but um I love it yeah <laughs> oh I mean it's it's so different for different people because I think sometimes what we do in relationship is we recognize something in somebody else Some, sometimes from a healthy place sometimes uh, less healthy but we kind of hook in with each other um, in terms of needs and what we can like offer. And so depending on what it is that we most need, it will be obviously about love and about belonging and about safety. And sometimes it's just about kind of kinship and like having a partnership and having someone kind of on your side or on your team. So for me, like I think about the needs of relationship rather than the doing of relationship. And that feels really important to me around like, what is it that you are here for? Like, what is the thing that you hope to get from this relationship? And once you know that, then it's so much easier to go into the doing. And then you can talk about like, okay, this is how communicating your needs, you know, makes it easier for your partner to hear you. Or this is how spending time with other people actually kind of does something to your relationship around like bringing some air back into the like mix between you so that you don't just feel like you're stuck across the table and I have to meet need that you have that awful feeling of like oh, I don't know if I can do that <laughs> that's not really my job and so for me yeah it's love belonging kinship and safety that we really need in our partnerships and then we move into like good communication and honesty but not too much honesty and the kind of playful eros of like sex and and togetherness and that sort of vitality that we also plug into with each other um when we feel safe enough to do that yeah I love that I love that because I feel like that playful eros just so it's so true it comes from the way I suppose we feel safe you know like that will only come that kink that you know that that passion drive will only come from mm. feeling visible, feeling safe, feeling witnessed and heard, and you know from both from both ways as well, which is really powerful. Um, I love how you were like honesty <laughs> within reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think sometimes we are too honest with each other, and I feel like. There's honesty and that's important, but sometimes there's kindness and sometimes there's so much damage when people do that honesty above all else 
thing um so yeah yeah I'm so down with that like so down with that on level on various levels right of like if your partner's like oh I'm really not feeling great today and you're like you look great like you honestly you look even though you know you they do look tired they do look tired don't be like yeah you do look a bit tired like you know I think within those things and then there's like the because I think you know I do think I, I, I truly believe in that kind of honesty piece but it, we also need to have secrets mm. you know like I feel like there's part of me sometimes it's like I just I don't want to share all of me like I kind of want to keep that yeah, little bit of me so interesting yeah like I find that you know sometimes like my my real like the wild the wild woman version of me that's like quite messy and war and like I don't really like sharing that with anyone else like that's when the door's shut and I just play some music and I go into like it feels so good to just be in that rawness and again like I don't and I get to hide that I get to hide that because it's just something for me and I don't want anyone to know about it or I don't feel like I have to share and that's sometimes I think where that kind of honesty or being dishonest Mm. it's not lying it's just you know I don't have to show you every single yeah you know version of me and every part of me so true and there's some parts that are kind of just for your friendships and that like thrive and grow in different ways than they would with your partner so yeah absolutely I think that's so important and I think that's kind of what kills relationships sometimes particularly if you decide to do like you have children and live together then I feel like sometimes we have too much intimacy and Esther Perel talks about this so beautifully so I won't I won't butcher her work, but (laughs) she talks about how there's a balance between, um, you know, like too much intimacy and not enough. And sometimes when we are stuck in the too much intimacy of daily life, that that can really kill the kind of eros side of um, like our sexual intimacy. And that actually we need some distance between those two things for us to be like attracted to each other and to see each other in that kind of playful expansive way not just with like dishes and chores and taking the bins out yeah yeah because that's you know that's that's the mundane they get to be beauty in that mundane but there's also you know I think for me like a healthy relationship has always been where I've felt like I can go do me I can go do me when I need to go do me I've got the space and the time to do it and it's not made to mean anything about them you don't want to be with me or it's oh. like and also again that's where you know the honesty piece is like well no no I don't want to be with you all of the time yeah like I also want to just be with myself you know and yeah. I feel like and I think this about mothers and parenthood as well like I've said this to so many clients over the years but like one weekend a quarter you know one week a year you know one one day a week or one day a month yeah one weekend a quarter one week a year that you have away from your family you know and and to give yourself that space I'm very lucky that I co-parent so I do get a very extensive amount of time for me and I know that actually without that I wouldn't be the Pandora that I thrive in do you know what I mean absolutely and that's like something that really excites me is also thinking about families in different ways do you know what I mean that this nuclear family it doesn't it doesn't really work for anybody actually and often we see with kids in um, co-parented families that they thrive in a different way because they get 
like the best of both parents and they get like parents that are resourced because you have time to like be in your life and not just be in your Pandora mum life. Um, and I'm excited to see where kind of research takes us with that. But I think, yeah, because then you have time to tap into that eros and that life spirit that you just sometimes don't when you're making macaroni cheese, like on repeat. Like, yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And to be able to kind of, you know, I always say about my daughter, like she's so loved. She's got um, like a very solid so her dad has a very solid relationship so she's almost got like three parents exactly and we all get on and you know we're thinking about going to a festival together this summer I'm like god that kid is like so loved and she's got three adults and you know she she's almost she's at the age now she's nearly five where she's starting to understand she gets a week on at mummy's and a week at daddy's and she she's sort of understanding more mm. about I suppose the complexity of that relationship and what her very unique family looks like it's just fascinating to witness there's a, a sort of resilience I see in her of like mm. I don't know like you know she's got the two homes and but she's super grounded with it you yeah know? yeah and like she gets to meet her parents in like a way that they are thriving and then I think it's so much easier for kids to just be like okay this is what it looks like and her family is extended not broken we have this horrible language around like people who don't live in nuclear families and I oh it gives me the ick because I just think no these children are like sometimes much luckier they have more people (laughs) with more resource and more energy so yeah yeah and we as parents have more you know we're so sort of flexible with each other for you know actually can I have a couple of days that week and yeah so so good I really I'm very against the term broken family I'm like excuse me but there is nothing broken about me nor my daughter nor her dad thank you we are whole full humans thank you you know like exactly and you can teach her that as well because a lot of that sort of bias I guess is just out in the world and it's gross yeah So what I thought was really interesting that you said earlier is that often you see people at the end of something really big, the end of a challenge, the end of a crisis, which is so true of, I think, certainly the UK. It's like we just push and push and push and push. And then when when it's like, you know, everything's crumbling, Mm. we'll be like, yeah, maybe I'll go I'll go get some support. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like the maintenance girl. I'm like, I see things, you know, I have support every month, you know, I've got, you know, mental health support, energetic support, physical support. And I have all of those things because for me, I see it as maintenance. Like I don't, it almost means that I don't, you know, and I, I know a lot of my, you know, a lot of listeners will, will probably have a similar way of thought. And certainly, you know, a lot of my clients are, but it's like, we don't want to get to crisis point exactly and actually when you not when you have chosen to self-develop and be supported actually the the the, the, really that crisis point you know even if it comes it's going to be like something that's totally manageable from you because you're full and topped up but what do you wish that people knew or were taught you know if we knew these things then this wouldn't happen or might happen less what would those things be 
Oh, so I so wish that people knew that relationships are always evolving, always changing. And they are so much more than the Disney like starting point. Like I wish that people knew that that was just the starting point and that after that, there's a lot of work, like a lot of kind of boring, kind of mundane stuff that we have to go through together. So that's one thing. Another thing I, I just wish people knew is that they don't need to struggle like to the end of the relationship. They don't need to leave things until like their nervous systems are a wreck and like they've, they I don't know, their family life just feels really unsafe and really strained. And I think the toll of that, that I don't even think we really get that. I think what it does to our bodies, what it does to our kids, what it does to our work life, like all of it. And that you really can just ask for help earlier on. Do you know what I mean? Like you say, you don't have to wait until it feels like like a valid problem. And I think this is kind of also this medical model of like we wait for disease or we wait for deficit. And the way I guess the NHS is set up is like because it's so underfunded and because there's just not enough resources that we can only help people that are in crisis. So like you won't be seen or you won't be helped. I don't even think you could get relationship you know, counseling on, on the NHS. So it's like, it's not even on the car. It's not even a priority. And we're told that that's kind of fed down like politically to us that, oh no, that's kind of a luxury or, or there's just something wrong with you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the implicit assumption of it is that no relationships are just something you do like becoming a mother it's like you should just know how to do that I'm like well no unless someone has taught you or you've seen it like we don't actually know um so yeah I just wish people like allowed themselves a space to do couples work or relationship work even on your own I think that I see a lot of people you have um, kind of partners that are reluctant to do couples work for lots of reasons. Um, and some of them, most of them about safety, like they just don't feel safe in that sort of space because it's so foreign, because like they've grown up thinking you only do that like as a last resort. Um, and so sometimes people do come kind of, I want to say too late, like there's been too much damage, too much, um, too much hurt like to metabolize within a relationship and yeah I just wish so much that people knew that that's normal and that's the last thing <laughs> I wish they knew is that sometimes it's not even a problem of relationships uh, so often I see people and I just think these people are just under-resourced in terms of community they don't have like they don't have enough help with childcare, or they don't have enough just support around them and so they feel like psychologically unsafe and isolated and then they get stuck in that all of my needs have to be met by you and all of your needs have to be met by me which is just like we're not built for that so some like I really get people to think of like how can they call in community we can't actually do all of it on our own like physically it's not possible yeah so true so true and I see that you know with you know obviously the work that I do with women in business it's like you know mm. they may be trying to get a business coach from their partner yeah the part and the partner's like why are you doing that well why are you spending that money you don't you know and and it's it's just like you, you know it's it, it you know it's just not gonna it's happen not valued yeah it's not valued and then you know they may be trying to do it on their own for six months or a year and they're still in the same place and it's this real mm. like oh, at what point do I go okay actually you know what where could I get some support right now where could I 
you know open up to you know someone to you know and a lot of the time it's it's just simply to hold me and hear me so that I can voice the stuff that's stuck inside me oh yeah all the stickiness yeah that's stuck inside your body I mean that's kind of what I think about like money work as well is that when we are stuck in that survival place we can never get into the like the eros of money. Do you know what I mean? Like the playful side and the expansive side of that. Because we're always just stuck in like the survival of money in and money out. And I think that, do you know how there's like just different levels of working with money and it feels the same in couples. It's like you, when you're stuck in that survival place, you don't get to access like the playfulness and the, and not that you don't get to access it, but you just don't have the emotional energy for it. You're just in that tight kind of locked place. Um, and also relationships don't need to be kind of that hard. So let's, let's lean into that. How our relationship stories show up in our relationship to money? What would you say are the, are the kind of key things that you see that, you know, are relationship stories and they show up in relationship to money? Um, so some of these are so obvious. I think like some of them are around like if you kind of avoidant in relationships, you might be avoidant across the board with money. But then there's like these really sneaky ones, I think, that come in. And I think like money fascinates me because I think it's so much more prone to um like all the unconscious stuff in the ethers because we just never speak about it. I suppose in your world you speak about it more, but in my world, people just do not talk about money. Um, and so all the stuff around like religion and gender and your like role or place in the family and again about safety um, and I think that we kind of recreate those in money so again like we can't access the playfulness of money or the made-upness of money that we get to like create money um, and I think when we're stuck in that place of like lack we don't in the same as within relationships we don't you can't step outside of that of like how do we create the thing that we want how do we create the union so for me there's so much overlap there around like relationships and money and then there's also I think the Disney thing that comes in around like someone will rescue us like in the same as relationships with our money someone will just someone gives it to us if we do a good thing or we get money because we're lucky or like there's no kind of agency or power in that and again that sort of eros piece of like okay but what what about the creation of this um what do you get to decide to do differently yeah I think that's a really interesting thing to explore like the sort of Disney aspect you know and actually where we attach I think sometimes a bit of that can be where we it it feels murky but you know if the client says yes then I'm successful and I'm worthy and I'm good but if the client says no (gasps) then I'm not good enough oh my god okay you know I'm not good I'm not perfect people don't like me and the stories that we then attach to Mm. the sum of money attached to the person that was going to say yes versus you know oh my gosh yeah a massive thing that I mean I've definitely been able to over the years detach myself from Mm. I'm like you'll come when you're good and ready and I trust that if you want to be in my world you're going to be in my world but you know there's been many seasons of you know what feels like a roller coaster to get here I'm realizing that actually you know, my worth is my worth. And it's actually not tied up in the person that says yes and versus mm. the person that says no. Like 
the the worth is built independently and then everything else is a bonus yeah it's it's kind of similar to where I'm at in my life right now you know we were talking earlier where you know I'm kind of in between a home and everything feels a bit uncertain I'm not quite sure where I'm going Mm. and I had this sort of massive download of like but you're happy you're safe you're resilient you're privileged we're all good like my happiness of a home is a bonus on the happiness and inner peace I currently have with, within me. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's massive, but it's like, put me anywhere. Nothing, nothing external actually gets to impact my inner peace and happiness. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can let it, I can let it affect that. Or I, or I don't, do you know what I mean? And that comes from so much work as well to have got there of like, okay, letting go of this and letting go of that. And like, that's a place of like, like wholeness that always exists, but also like acknowledged wholeness, I guess, is that you know about it. Yeah. And letting go of the ident- of the identities, mm. you know, like I'll look successful and I'll look like I've got my shit together if it looks like this. And then I've been left with this like, oh, well, now it looks like I haven't got my shit together. And yet here I am and I'm the same person with the same skills, feeling the same way. So interesting, yeah. And and I suppose when it comes to our relationship to money, it's like a lot of the time it's the identities that we hold. Like like you said, like the classic avoidant or the overgiver. Like you will, if you overgive in a relationship, you will overgive when it comes to money. Oh, I'll get this. Even though you haven't got the fucking money, or you don't actually want to pay for your friend because they never pay and it actually makes you feel a bit resentful but because you're the overgiver you're going to keep on giving it's like because <laughs> that's how you get love yeah it's like that awful acknowledgement of like oh no I'm that person I'm also I'm so interested also in the way we communicate with our um, audiences so when I started um, my coaching work it was such an, an uncomfortable shift for me because as a psychotherapist you quite invisible and that was like personally a journey that I needed to get out of because I think that it touches some of my own stuff around visibility and visibility and something about coaching and um the way that I would uh, yeah I guess just communicate excuse me with my my audience also showed up so much in like my attachment style of like I'll say something and then I'll just disappear <laughs> and not really sort of meeting people and and over managing that relationship so you're not it's kind of low-key disrespectful around like what you said earlier it's just letting people come when they're ready and that's so respectful um and in the same way as like if we have that in relationships of like this is your stuff I see you panicking about something now but I can like co-regulate with you because I'm okay like I'm solid in this and you can have a moment of falling apart and we're still okay. But I think that gets mirrored in such surprising ways, like ways in our businesses. Yeah, it's so interesting. And then I found something also so like surprising is that I'm so independent in my life, like sometimes unhealthily so, but I have money stories. Like when I started to do some of that work, I realized that I had this belief about passivity around like, money is just what some people have and some people don't or that you do like a good job and then someone gives you money like you need to deserve it in some way I don't know like these weird stories of passivity and also thinking about of course there's so many differences so like don't think your relationship or money with money will totally mirror like your relationship 
with human beings. So there's like little sneaky ways that I guess all of the the cultural social stuff um, leaks into us. And if you're not looking for it, like you, you wouldn't even know it's there. Absolutely. I'm fascinated with the relationship with community thing, you know, so true. It's so true. And the I think that there's a it's very uh, there's so much to unpick I think with the relationship that we have with our community of like where we get maybe we want to be rescued by our community like i.e if they comment then I'm loved and then I can go back to them and we can create this relationship and it's you know I always say about the online space it's like I mean unless I've met you I I can't possibly make any judgment on who you are or you know people are like what do you think about what so-and-so said I'm like what I, mean, I don't know I don't I don't know that person I've never met them and you know when people talk about kind of the online space as a safe space I'm like who said it was a safe space like it's literally the antithesis of a safe space it's the wild west yeah <laughs> just it is it's the wild west and yeah you know I do think that there are ways in which we can cultivate online or relationships with people online and with our communities and I'd like to think I kind of do it in a way that works for me and how I want to live and is sort of respectful for them but equally um you know I don't set myself a standard that I have to respond to every single person in my inbox is certainly if they're a stranger you know there's this real I get to be generous in my real world with the people who are in it but that often means I I'm not able to be generous with others and that's also okay and I'm okay with that so that's my standard but you know interesting it, you know I do think that sort of how we feel in relationships will often impact you know the boundaries or lack of boundaries that we may be set with our community absolutely and that kind of people pleasing like slime to I must reply to every single person and I guess at some point you also it's not possible and it's not a nice way to live you know like you said yeah exactly so if we were if we treated our relationship with money, you know, like an actual relationship, mm-hmm. what what would, would you like to see change in terms of, you know, how could we make that relationship divine? Um, and what do you think would shift? I think it's so exciting, like, to think about that overlap is that don't wait for crisis. Like, you, you just get to be in relationship with your money immediately. You don't have to wait until something sort of terrible happens and then you're forced to look at it. So I think that might shift for people around, like, you're already in relationship with money. So what, like, what is the way in which you want to interact with that? I think that's so, so important. Like, you, there's no magic time that you're waiting for you just get to go like oh okay this is like part of my life and part of my responsibility and how do I want to respond to this I also think I mean something that was a big journey for me like I only used to think about money in terms of dreadful things like having to pay taxes and now I even have such a different feeling around taxes and like what they do in the country and and that has shifted the way that I'm able to like be in the experience of that and that that doesn't have to be like once every 12 months the same as date night for like strained relationships that you can't just turn up you know like at the end of the tax year and go okay like I'm forced to do this thing but how can you create some like space in your relationship with money to say these are my habits these are my rhythms these are the ways in which I'm respectful of the money that comes in and the money that I send out And yeah, leaving a bit of space for play and for lightness and I don't know, something about resources, like how much 
how many of our resources would we give to money as a relationship if we took it a little bit more seriously and not seriously in like a like an accountant way but just seriously as an in a respectful way you know it's that you know oh I'm just not good with money and it's like well we all become masters of things that we choose to become masters of right and I always sort of see it as um you know it's it it, it is a relationship that continues mm, to grow and evolve definitely. you know my relationship with money this year in 2023 for example there's a big focus on profit for us as a you know within the business the company makes a lot of money and there's a lot of there has been a lot of expenses today and so now I'm like right baby we're gonna make some we're gonna make some sexy profit like how are we gonna do it that's what that's genuinely the energy that I bring to my spreadsheet because I'm like money let's do it (laughs) and that's the eros bit hey you know yeah yeah and I give it purpose that money wants purpose I'm like this year your purpose is profit we're going to see so much profit and I'm going to do my bit and you're going to do your bit and it's, it's making me think about um you know that I when I speak to that kind of creating an intimate relationship with money people I, I would guarantee like 99.9% of people that I've worked mm. with or you know had in my communities when it's come to money everyone 99.9% want to make more money and a big portion of that 99.9% are like, oh, I don't really want to look at it. (laughs) And if you think about taking that to your relationship, like, listen, I want all the orgasms. I want you to cook me dinner. Like, just be there for me. Do all the things. But I don't really want to look at you. And it's quite annoying. And I just don't really want to spend that much time with you. So, um, but if you could just do all of those things for me, it's exactly the same. So true. And that's an, and we would call that an abusive relationship. So uh-huh. yeah, why yeah. do we not do the same with money? Exactly, exactly. So it, you know, we get to kind of really explore like what does divine union look like in my and with my relationship to money. And you know, for everyone that will be different. Um, something just to add here for people in my audience, if you know me well enough, you'll know, you know, I'm I'm really into human design, but I've learned myself as a non-specific manifester that actually so I don't go into the detail too much I'm not like right it will be 64% profit (laughs) and we will make 500,000 pounds and like I'm not I don't go into the detail because actually as a non-specific manifester for me I'm more about the feeling like how do I want my relationship to money to feel how do I want you know when 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 I'm abundant what does that Mm. feel like so I've moved away from, we're quite a new kind of, you know, version of kind of um, manifestation and and co-creation when it comes to non-specific, because the way that we've been taught, you know, in the law of attraction has been be specific, but actually, you know, it's good to know and work out like, are you specific or non-specific? Because for me, when I go into that minute detail, it actually makes me contract more than expand because it's like <gasps> this <laughs> yeah and how do we get to that specific number that also brings dread to me so how, how do you know if you're not specific I know I'm a manifesting generator I don't know we you can you, you if you just look at your chart it'll tell you somewhere I think I use my my human design but I really was exploring that kind of last year and it, it just brought so much like you know amazingness and abundance to my world because I was, I just suddenly realized that gosh in going into the deep I go into the detail when it comes to profit margins right of course yeah, yeah, business yeah. and a business owner 
but when it comes to like my own manifestations and what I want to be co-creating you know it's less about the detail of like this many people and this amount of money and it's more like there's definitely like a bigger wider goal and then how do I want it to feel oh so good and you just get to do that in your own way same as relationships it's like there aren't actually rules yeah exactly and exactly it's the same with every relationship you know how do I want my um OBM the relationship with my OBM to feel how do I want the relationship with my VA to feel Mm. how do I want you know it's ultimately how how that and their support makes you feel you know and that is and powerful really powerful way to to think about I mean all you know all partnerships yeah so where can people where can people find you so they can find me at um on Instagram I'm at grounded underscore families and I also have a podcast by the same name grounded families beautiful I will link both of those in thank you thank you so much this was an actual treat just so delicious (laughs) thank you thank you thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed the very delicious conversation with Julia as much as I did. If you know someone who could really benefit from listening to this podcast today, please do go ahead, share it. If you want to tag me in on the gram, you can find me at Pandora Paloma underscore. And if you are ready to create a very ripe relationship with yourself, with your partners, with money, then this is a topic that we explore over and over again in my masterminds that I have for three different stages of business, you can find the information at www.pandorapaloma.com forward slash masterminds for all the juicy details. Sending love from my corner of the world to yours.